what's going on? Nick Kirby here. Welcome to a special edition of Chatterbox Reds. We're going to start some team previews for each of the Reds NL Central rivals. We're kicking it off with the Brewers today. Uh, before we get to the interview, I want to make sure we tell you about our proud sponsor. That is DSC Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production. They specialize in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. So be sure to visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks so much to our sponsor, uh, DSC Commodities, who makes everything we do here at Chatterbox Reds possible. All right, we're really excited about this one today. This is Jeff Levering. Uh, Jeff is the Brewers' main TV play-by-play announcer. Uh, shout out to our guy, Paul Fritchner, uh, who set this up. Uh, Jeff was calling Xavier Villanova, and uh, I saw that he was on the call, and I texted Paul, and Paul made it work and, and got Jeff on. And uh, Jeff got some really good insight into a really interesting uh, Milwaukee Brewers team. They've had a lot of changes this offseason, so we chatted with Jeff about all that. A look over the next couple weeks, we're going to try to preview each of the Reds' NL Central rivals uh, with someone associated with each of those teams. So we'll keep that going on as we're getting closer to uh, February 24th. Uh, and the first spring training game, of course, Chatterbox Reds. We will have a podcast, audio only, after every single spring training game. So the morning after, really bright and early in the morning, there'll be something in your podcast feed. Quick recap of the game and uh, some conversation. We'll try to get some writers from Arizona, um, all that kind of stuff added into that as well. And then, of course, once the regular season gets started, Chatterbox Reds, live post-game shows after every single game. So we're getting closer. Looking forward to getting started. All right. Well, without further ado, here is Brewers TV play-by-play announcer Jeff Levering talking about the Milwaukee Brewers this season. All right, pleased to be joined now by Jeff Levering, Milwaukee Brewers TV play-by-play announcer. Uh, Jeff was just in Cincinnati a few days ago calling Xavier Villanova, and our guy Paul Fritchner uh, helped set up this interview. Jeff, so excited to have you uh, on with us to to preview the Brewers today. Uh, Before we get into the team and Really, a, a really wild offseason for the Brewers. Tell Reds fans about yourself. I know I watch you all the time as uh, someone who's obsessed with uh, the Reds and the NL Central, and uh, you do great work in Milwaukee. No, I appreciate it. No, it's, it's going into my 10th year in Milwaukee, which is hard to believe. Uh, eight years in the minor leagues, Angels organization in A ball, Cardinals in double A for three years, and then a couple of years in Pawtucket with the Red Sox. Um, so, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, before I got to Milwaukee. So, it's it's been a great run for me here. Radio side, doing a lot more TV these days uh, with what Brian Anderson does on the national level with Turner Sports, doing the NBA and NCAA tournament. Um, we'd had a, a stable of TV guys that would come in. It was kind of a cast of a thousand. And now it's just BA and I sharing things and you and I on the radio. And we've got a couple other guys on the radio side that fill in when I'm on TV and then Uke's not on the road. So we've got a lot of interchangeable parts, but at least there's only two main voices on TV these days. That's me and BA. Well, fantastic. Well, a very wild offseason for the Milwaukee Brewers. I was kind of not even sure which which way to start with this. I'll start with what I think was maybe the biggest shock, which was Craig Council. I, I'm assuming, Jeff, you weren't necessarily surprised that Council left, but I'm assuming you probably were a little bit surprised that he ended up in Chicago, considering we thought David Ross's job was safe. Considering he had the job, right? There was no, no indications that David Ross was not going to be back with Chicago. Yeah, they missed the playoffs by a couple of games, and it felt like they had things going in the right direction. And then when Craig Council became available, so to speak, 
that's when the Cubs pounced on it and, and it happened quickly. And you're right. I think, I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we said that we didn't think Craig was going to come back. Right. We, it kind of felt like he had one foot out the door, not at the end of the season, he was fully invested, but once the season ended, it kind of felt like, okay, I, I think he's ready for a new challenge. And he said as much, did we think it was going to be the Mets? I found that hard to believe. Uh, it certainly wasn't going to be Cleveland, even though he interviewed there. It's good to go through the interview process, which he'd never really been a part of before. And then when the Cubs reach out, listen, he, he got the best of both worlds, right? He got he got paid, first and foremost. He wanted to stay close to, to home, which is in Milwaukee. He's got two boys that are playing college baseball. His two daughters are in high school playing sports. So he got everything he wanted. And he, he could live at home if he wanted to. Yeah, they play a lot of day games at Wrigley, so he might have to – pick up a little beach condo or something on Lake Michigan. Uh, but he got everything he wanted and, and he's got more resources in Chicago. It was jarring um, when he decided to go to Chicago, I think for everybody in Milwaukee. Um, but everybody understood it. Once you kind of peel back the layers of the onion, it, it made a lot more sense. I'm really interested to see when the, the Cubs come to town for the first time in the month of May. Uh, Memorial Day is the first day that they're here what the reaction is going to be. I think that there are at the time that he signed with Chicago, it was, Oh, he's going to get booed out of the ballpark. There's no way. And now that time has passed, I think there's still going to be a handful of boos, but there's going to be a lot of cheers because the Brewers have been as good as they've ever been. And as a franchise during his tenure as a manager. So he should be applauded for that effort. All right. Tell us a little bit about the guy that replaced him, Pat Murphy. Now, Pat Murphy was his old manager, right? He was his old head coach at Notre Dame. He's been his bench coach at Craig Council's bench coach at Milwaukee um, since the 2016 season. So he knows everything about the organization. He, he's tight with, the, with ownership. He is tight with the management. He and Matt Arnold go back and forth. I thought it was really cool when, when they announced that he was going to be the manager. They posted a video of Matt Arnold's son making the phone call to Murph and being like, hey, Murph, would you like to be the manager of the Brewers? Um, and that was from our general manager's son. I thought that was a really cool touch. It just goes to show how how close Murph is with the organization. Uh, they brought Ricky Weeks in to be an associate manager, not even a bench coach, but an associate manager. I think he's going to do a great job. Murph is a, a, a great teacher of the sport, a great teacher of the temperament of what it takes to be a manager. And I think he's excited for a second opportunity. His first chance to be a manager was an interim um, in San Diego in 2015. Didn't go so great for him. He, he acknowledges that he could have done some things in different ways, uh, but he has a pulse on what's going on in this organization. The players trust him. The players are going to follow him. And he, I think he's going to be a great fit here in Milwaukee. All right, so the next one I want to talk about. I think if there was one player signed this offseason, I think Reese Hoskins might have been the best fit with any team. Do you kind of feel that way? It just feels like absolutely what Milwaukee needed this offseason. For sure. They, they've had a lot of problems at first base, Nick. I mean, you, you can go back to the year that Prince Fielder left, and it's kind of been a revolving door at first base. What do you do? You know, you as a Reds fan, you've had Joey Votto there forever and you kind of get complacent when you've got somebody who's been in a ballpark and been with a team for a number of years. Now the Brewers have had, it feels like a new first baseman every year since Prince Fielder left. And that's going on a dozen years. Um, so to have a guy like Reese Hoskins who fits the ballpark perfectly, personality fits in Milwaukee, 
Um, I, I think he's fully healthy. He's going to be full go come spring training. Might get a couple of days in Arizona where he's not doing anything, but that's just normal spring training load management. Uh, but he's going to be full go. He's a better first baseman than people give him credit for. He's right-handed power bat, which the Brewers haven't had in a few years. Uh, and he complements the lineup very well. All right. The next kind of surprising move kind of running through the list here was, I mean, this one may not have been that surprising, but, but Corbin Burns, I think a lot of people could have saw it coming. Brewers like the Reds. Typically, if they're not going to uh, be able to extend a guy, they're going to look to trade them before he gets to free agency. Uh, Talk about Corbin Burns. I mean, he's got to be up there as one of the greatest Milwaukee pitchers of all time. Yeah, he certainly has the credentials. I mean, he's got more 10 strikeout games than anybody in franchise history. He and Brandon Woodruff. I mean, the two of them, co-aces since that 2018 season. And Burns was in the bullpen at 18 and in 19, so to speak. But since 2020, those two guys have been as good as it gets as a one-two punch in in Major League Baseball that nobody really talks about. Um, I think it was a matter of, of when, not if, for Corbin Burns. And you thought maybe you might get a couple of months out of him and then see what you can get in the trade market come the trade deadline. Um, but it seemed like this was the best fit for, for what the Brewers wanted to do with the Orioles. They got a pretty good haul in D.L. Hall and Joey Ortiz, a middle infielder, um, coming back from Baltimore. But uh, for Corbin, after all the arbitration stuff going into the season in 2023, Uh, you could kind of see the writing on the wall that this was the direction things were going to go. He has said as much as well in other podcasts and and media outlets. Um, Even this offseason, he's looking forward to free agency, things of that nature that he was saying. You could tell that that his time as a brewer was coming to a close, so so better to do it now. You get something out of it. Um, He's still healthy. He's got a full year worth of service, and and they uh, avoided arbitration, so you don't have that hanging over your head, and the brewers got something in return. So, uh, again, I think it was a matter of when it was going to happen, not if it was going to happen for Corbin Burns and the brewers. All right, so a lot of maybe mixed reviews on D.L. Hall, the, the pitcher that they got back. What's maybe your expectations or maybe better the the Brewers expectations for him uh, going into 2024? Well, they want him to start. And and I think that was a really important piece. And whether he stays as a starter is a different question altogether. Uh, But it it hurts you none to stretch him out at the beginning of the season. The Brewers are going to need arms. Listen, they're down Brandon Woodruff. They're down Corbin Burns. Uh, they have Freddie Peralta, Colin Ray coming into the season, Wade Miley, who's an older left-hander uh, as part of the rotation. Aaron Ashby missed the entire season last year. What's he going to be like? Uh, Robert Gasser has never pitched in the big leagues before. That's another an arm that, that the Brewers are going to be looking at in spring training. It hurts you not at all to stretch out DL and see what he has in spring training. And the worst case, if it doesn't work out, You've got him as a a long reliever. You've got him as a bullpen piece that you can add to that mix as another left-hander. So I I think for him, it's good going into the season knowing I have a chance to win a job in the starting rotation. I have to earn that. What am I going to do to earn that job within this organization? And if all else fails, you got a power arm coming out of the bullpen. Um, and, and some people say that's where he's going to stick. Who knows what's going to happen? He's, he is going to dictate where he pitches in this either rotation or in the bullpen. So whatever he wants to do, he's got the opportunity to win that job. Uh, but, it, but it's kind of on his shoulders. And I think that's what the Brewers have, have done over the last few years. They've, when you look at Burns and Woodruff and, and Peralta even, those are the three-headed monsters, right? 
they all started in the bullpen and worked their way forward and worked their way into the rotation. They were not given anything. They had to earn that, and and they have certainly done so, and I think they're taking that template into what's going on this year with D.L. Hall. Let's stick with the pitching and, and talk about Freddie Peralta. Uh, he's now, I assume, lined up to be probably the opening day starter. Uh, had kind of been the guy that you know slotted in really, really good as a the, one of the best number threes you could have in baseball. What do you think about him now getting into this this new top of the rotation role? Well, Freddie's going to be Freddie, and I think last year he changed his offseason routine, had a really down 2020 season, and then came back, and he, he is electric. He's got an electric arm. He can run that fastball 97-98, but can also pitch very effectively at 90-92. Slider, curveball, changeup, very effective. Um, still got a couple of more years on his contract. They extended him in the same year that they extended Christian Yelich in 2020. So he has the, the longest future in terms of a starting pitcher on that Brewers rotation. But he's the bona fide number one at this moment. And if he doesn't get the ball on the opening day, I'd be surprised. It'd have to be an injury situation to, to slow him down from getting the ball in New York on opening day. But I, I think he's ready for it. Um, he's got the personality for it. He is just as fierce a competitor as you can find, even though he, he looks like he's all calm and having a great time. Um, he, he's a bulldog out there on the mound. And and I think as as Reds fans would know, he's had some great starts, especially in Cincinnati against against the Reds. So whether it's Burns or Woodruff or or now Freddie Peralta, um, you know, the Brewers have been pretty rich in their pitching staff. And, and I'd be shocked if he wasn't the guy on opening day in New York. What did the Brewers do with their pitching that I, I swear every other week they're calling someone up? I've never heard of this guy, and he's absolutely electric. They throw him in the eighth inning. What what what's in the, the water in Milwaukee that, that keeps turning this over and over and over again? Well, there's beer in the water. You know that. Come on. Um, no, it's it's amazing. Um, I, when I was in the Cardinals organization for three years, it felt like when you shook a tree, somebody was falling out of it and throwing 100. And and it feels like the Brewers have taken that model. And, and it goes back to when Derek Johnson was here as the pitching coach, now the pitching coach of the Reds, that he kind of instilled this, you be good at what you do, and then we'll kind of take it from there. And if you've got something, maybe we'll tweak it a little bit and make you a little bit better. But they have done a great job of, of increasing velocity in, in pitchers. They've done a great job of, of shaping pitches. Um, even, even Wade Miley last year, his cutter, when he came to Milwaukee in, in 2018 the first time before he went down to Cincinnati, then Chicago, and subsequently back or in Houston too, uh, before coming back to Milwaukee, they were the ones that kind of taught him the cutter. So that they have done a great job in, in making these players be really good at what they do. Um, even Devin Williams, right? Devin Williams, who's got the fastball, the changeup, which is unbelievable. It has taken on a new life form in the last couple of years. That's a big credit to what the Brewers have done. Broke down his slider, said, you don't, you don't need to throw the slider anymore when he was a starting pitcher. Scrap the curveball. We'll teach you a cutter. You can throw it nine times a year, but when you throw it those nine times, it better be pretty good and effective. But he can still get guys with fastball and changeup. They are really good at letting players be themselves, and, and I think that's, that, that's what lets them thrive in this system. All right, big signing uh, this offseason a uh, guy who hasn't even made his major league debut yet in uh, Jackson uh, Churio. Obviously, Brewers really, really excited about him. What are you hearing about him? And there's tons of comps out there, right? And it's really hard to 
to say, oh, man, this guy's going to be like XYZ player when he's never played a game at the big league level. Uh, but he is exciting. There's a lot of Ronald Acuna in him is what the scouts are saying. And if he's any shred of what Ronald Acuna is, he's going to be really special. But we had a chance to see him in spring training last year. You, you can just tell that he's dripping with confidence. Um, even at 19 years old, he's going to turn 20 in spring training. He is special. He's not as fast as Acuna, but he's got those fast twitch muscles. He can run. Um, he hits for some power. He's got opposite field power. He goes to right field a ton and, and you can teach a guy to pull. It's really tough to teach a guy to go up the middle into right field, but he's got that approach naturally. Uh, he is really special. I'm excited to see him every day in center field, maybe some left, maybe some right, sprinkle him in there, some DH games, but he's going to play almost every day down in Arizona from what I'm told uh, with an opportunity to win a job in the big leagues. And Pat Murphy, he's not giving him anything. He goes, you're going to be number 68 or number 98 or whatever number he's going to be. It's going to be some offensive lineman or defensive lineman number in spring training. He's got to earn the jersey in the big leagues he's not going to get that jersey in spring training he's going to have to earn the low digits right uh so he's gonna he's gonna wear the defensive lineman numbers for a while until he earns his spot in the big leagues all right so the brewers have a pretty crowded outfield um with with sal fralick with with christian yelich obviously trio garrett mitchell jake bowers joey weimer list goes on and on kind of how do you see this this outfield shaking out for the brewers We've got some great athletes, and I, I think at that that aspect, they're going to be fine defensively. Listen, Garrett Mitchell was having a great start at the season last year, ripped up his shoulder, could have come back for the playoffs, uh, was not on the playoff roster for the two games. The Brewers got swept by the D-backs. But I, I would assume that Garrett Mitchell is going to get the, the first right of refusal in center field. Uh, it'll be a battle in right with Sal Freelich. Um, Tyrone Taylor is now gone. He's in New York with the Mets. I'd say Sal and Joey Weimer have an opportunity to win a right field job. Yelich is going to be in left. You've got Jackson Churio that's right there, right? So he's going to have an opportunity to win a job. There's going to be a lot of DH uh, at-bats for Christian Yelich. There will be a good number of DH at-bats for William Contreras. And uh, they haven't made it official, but Gary Sanchez potentially signing with the Brewers is a big deal uh, for DH at-bats as well. So, you're going to rotate. That's what the Brewers have done over the years. They haven't gone out and signed that David Ortiz. You're going to DH only and do nothing. It's a it's a rotating basis with whoever they want to throw in their place of matchups uh, and get somebody off their feet for a particular day. So it, if opening day runs around, my money is on Christian Yelich in left, Garrett Mitchell in center, and Sal Freelich in right. That's how I think is how the defense will look on opening day. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jackson Churio's in that mix as well. All right, so we've talked about a lot of players. Give me one player that Reds fans we haven't talked about yet needs to know about. Uh, I'd say Tyler Black. He, he's up there. He's he's probably the top third base prospect. Nobody really knows what's going to happen at third base for the Brewers at this moment. They had Andrew Monasterio played there a ton last year. Went and signed Josh Donaldson for for September. Um, he was the he was the starting third baseman in the playoffs. Um, so third base is kind of a big question mark. Is Tyler Black going to be that guy? They've got a kid, Brock Wilkin, who's in the minor leagues. He got up to double A last year. At the very end was a first round pick out of Wake Forest. Is he going to stay at third base? Who knows? But I think Tyler Black's a guy to watch. Hockey mentality, grinder, great at bat, great bat to ball skills. 
uh, tons of speed, stole 40 bases last year in double A, hit for a little bit of power. So he's a guy to keep your eye on. And, you know, one of those shake the tree, big velocity guys out of the out of the woodwork in the arms. But Jacob Mizorowski is another guy to keep your eye on. Tall, lean, throws a million miles an hour with a wipeout slider. He has a chance to be in the big leagues at some point this year, too. I love those guys with the wipe up sliders and the uh, the back end of the bullpen. Is he Devin Williams 2.0? No, he's not Devin Williams 2.0. He's taller than Devin, throws harder than Devin. Oh man, uh, but not not as not as nasty of an airbender of a changeup. But he's he's pretty good. There's no doubt. We always say you you better have the lead on the Brewers before the seventh, or you're cooked. It's it's over. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's been the recipe for success. I mean, they've they've been doing that for a number of years, and over the last couple of years, it's. All right, five innings from your starter, and then see what happens. Because if you get to the sixth inning in a deficit, you're in trouble. And the Brewers, their bullpen's going to be intact from a year ago, too. They're going to run back Piomps. They've got Devin Williams. They've got Elvis Piguero. They have Hobie Milner coming back. Um, and if D.L. Hall doesn't stick in the rotation, you got him p- pitching in the bullpen. So they've, they've got some arms. Oh, and by the way, Abner Uribe throws 103-mile-an-hour bowling balls. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, you're scaring me. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Reds a little bit. First, I got to ask you about Ellie. I, I know the Brewers completely dominated the Reds last year, but Ellie De La Cruz did steal home um, in Milwaukee. What was that like? Well, he's still second, then he's still third, then he's still home, all in the same sequence. Uh, listen, he is electric. And I know he gets the, the comps to O'Neill Cruz. Uh, with Pittsburgh just because of the size and the arm at shortstop. Uh, but after De La Cruz stole home, the numbers against the Brewers were not very good. Uh, they, the Brewers figured out Ellie De La Cruz. He's going to have to figure out how to hit off-speed stuff. That That's his biggest challenge going into 2024 is he's got to make an adjustment offensively. But the the stuff just jumps off the page with De La Cruz. Speed, arm, power. Um, but if he can lay off a breaking ball in the dirt or breaking balls in general, um, he's going to be just fine. He, he is a very, very talented player. He's going to be really good for a really long time. But I, I tell you, I, I really like Matt McClain too. I think McClain is – he's the linchpin of the whole thing. And if he's at second base or at shortstop, wherever he is, McClain's going to be the dude for Cincinnati. I love his makeup. I love his abilities on the field. Um, I think he is, he's going to be a star in this league for a number of years. All right. What goes right for the Milwaukee Brewers? If they're able to get to the postseason? this would be the sixth time in seven years. If they make it this year, what goes right? Their rotation stays intact. Um, uh, that needs to go right. First and foremost, they need to get those, those innings out of their, their rotation to save the bullpen. Cause if the bullpen has to work super hard early for the first two months, they're going to be fried by July. So in my mind, the rotation has to be, has to be okay. And they got to score runs. They, they just have not been consistent in scoring runs since the 2019 season, really. Um, they had a great team in 2021, won the division, almost won 100 games, but they were inconsistent offensively for the last two months of the season. They, they need to have their rotation stay intact, and they have to have consistent offense. It's easier said than done in this game, the way the pitching is these days, but they have to score runs at a consistent clip. All right. It would be a disgrace if I got you out of here before asking you about Bob Euchre sharing the I believe you share the booth with him at times I know you're around yeah. him all the time give me give me the the best story you got oh man I mean there's just so many great uke stories um 
you know, being able to be in a booth with him for, for 10 years now, I'm going to my 10th season and being his, his on-air partner for nine of those, even though I'm doing more TV than I am radio these days, it, it's, it's been memorable. Uh, there, there are three moments that really stand out to me that I will always have with me, but, but one in particular um, would have been in 2018. He was having some eye issues, um, showed up and, one day and he trying to take a contact out of his eyeball and, and it scratched his, his eye so much so that his eye was, was bloodshot and blew the blood vessels in it and ended up tearing his cornea. Um, so he worked the first couple of innings and couldn't see anything. And he goes, yeah, I just, I'm not feeling right. This is game one of a seven game homestand. Tried to work the second day, not happening. Went and saw an eye specialist. They, they put him in some, some Harry Carey goggles, uh, so he shows up on the third day and goes, I think these are going to work for me. Nah, well, we'll see, bud. Give it a shot. And he, he showed up and nah, nah, I'm not going to work. Finally, he had got these special drops and some new contact lenses and they fixed his cornea and his eye. And uh, by the last day of the homestand, he was he was feeling good. He goes, all right, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm feeling good. Okay, hey, Bob, whatever you need, man. If you need to duck out of here, I got the rest of it, but but you'll be fine. So he first calls the first couple of innings. He finishes the top of the first. He goes, is it, is it foggy in here? And, no, no, maybe it's the fireworks that, that popped off, you know, before the Brewers took the field. But no, nah, it's not – I don't know, man. Maybe it'll just blink a couple times, have some eye drops. You'll be okay. Uh, by about the seventh inning, he goes, man, it's really it's really foggy. I can't believe – I can't – and he's calling a perfect game. He's calling everything right. Every pitch he's identifying, balls off the wall, base, whatever it was, he was calling it great. The end of the game, he goes, man, it's just really, it's really foggy. And he's driving home. I went, man, I can't believe you're getting behind the wheel. But he does it, drives with his two feet, one foot on the pedal, one foot on the gas. That's how he's always been, a uh, two-foot driver. So he drives home. He goes, yeah, I'll let, I'll let you know when I get back. And the team was flying to Miami, so I was getting on a plane with the team to go to Miami. And texts me and says, I got home, no big deal. Have a great trip. We'll talk to you afterwards. We get on the plane. We fly to Miami. When we land, my phone has four or five text messages from Bob because I figured out why it was so foggy and why I was having trouble with my eye today. It was nothing to do with my cornea or anything that was going on. I had two contact lenses in the same eyeball, and he called a perfect game. He, only Bob Euchre could do that, right? Two contact lenses, one eyeball, and he's just perfect. I mean, just the epitome of awesome, the epitome of being a great person to me and my family, to everybody around him, um, and just legendary stories that you just never forget, like calling the game with two contact lenses in one eyeball. That's incredible. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. This has been a, a lot of fun and a lot of great insight for Reds fans into the uh, the Brewers this season. Uh, I know I'll look forward to probably catching you the seventh, eighth, ninth inning after the Reds game ends quite a bit this year. No, I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Good luck to the Reds. We'll see you down in Goodyear at some point, and can't wait to get baseball going soon. Well, thank you for joining us for today's episode of Chatterbox Reds. We really appreciate everyone who continues to support us. If you have not yet subscribed to Chatterbox Reds on your favorite podcast platform, you're going to want to make sure you do that now because during spring training and the regular season, we are the only Cincinnati Reds podcast that has new episodes after every single game and we'll have plenty of additional content leading up to that. I also ask that you please leave us a five-star review 
wherever you are listening to this podcast. Can't tell you how much that really helps us to grow the show and continue to bring you more great content. Also, make sure you subscribe to Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. There's where you could join us live after every single Reds game and be a part of the conversation for all of our live shows. Hit that bell up in the top right corner on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. You'll get alerts and notifications on your phone whenever we go live. All right, before we let you go, I do want to tell you about some of the other great content that we have for you here on Chatterbox Sports. First off, our flagship show that is Off the Bench. Host Trace Fowler is uh, on every single day, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. They talk all things sports, so be sure to check out Off the Bench on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Also available everywhere you get podcasts. Then there's Chatterbox Bearcats. That's with Charlie Walter and his friend Houdini. They host a show covering UC sports. They go live on YouTube after every single UC basketball game. And you can find Chatterbox Bearcats everywhere that you get podcasts. Those guys also do another podcast called the Chatter Podcast, which is a little bit of sports, but a whole lot of fun. Be sure to check that out everywhere you listen to podcasts. That's called the Chatter. We also have additional content on YouTube. Reed and Elliot are doing a new little series called Chatterbox Reacts, where they're doing some short videos about some of those interesting topics in sports. So that's, of course, on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. We have the Chatterbox Shop. That's on ChatterboxSports.com. We have all kinds of great merchandise for you. Uh, some Reds gear, some, some, some Chatterbox stuff, some just fun and interesting creations that they've come up with. All kinds of great shirts for everyone. So be sure to check out the Chatterbox Shop. That's on ChatterboxSports.com. We are uh, at Cbox Sports. That's at Cbox Sports on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, also known as X. We are Chatterbox Sports on Facebook, putting up a lot of content on there. So you can follow us on whatever platform that you like. We also have some really cool additional content in the works and some members-only streams. That's on our YouTube page on Chatterbox Sports. Links to all that stuff that I talked about, all the Chatterbox Sports shows, and everything else is in the episode notes today. So be sure to check that out. Well, thanks again for tuning in. Hope that you have a fantastic day. And as always... And most importantly, go Reds.